Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the Classic Series Redrive. Check them up. Let's get started. Welcome into the Classic Series Redrive, episode number 88. Mark Costeller here in southern Michigan. Really nice, sunny, almost spring-like day today. And uh, we have Logan Reinhold in the Reinhold Tack and Western Wear Studios on the soundboard. And Kyle Forsythe from Manan, Idaho, joining as well. Kyle still on his high from the old Super Bowl victory. The Chiefs oh, pulled yeah. out. Talk about kicking ass and taking names. Back to back. Ass. back to <laughs> back, three and five, Chiefs, baby. Uh, and I imagine between sports talk radio and what Taylor Swift songs all day—is that what was going on yeah, in your barn? Yeah, Taylor Swift cranking in the barn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's all rigged anyway. The thousands of people involved in that deal just uh, set it up for. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 That's all I've heard ever since the Chiefs won is how it's rigged. And it's like, come on, like that many people are going to be that organized to rig. Oh, boy. I'm sure that yeah. 49ers would just love that script. <laughs> yeah. No, it was actually, it didn't start out to be that good of a game. It was actually kind of uneventful, boring. And all of a sudden, yeah, you get partway through the third quarter, it kind of turned up. It was. It turned out to be a pretty good game. Uh, yeah, it was the end of the game and overtime turned out to be a really good game. Yep. Yeah. And that's all you can ask for. I mean, as a Chiefs fan, you, you've you kind of been spoiled the last five or six years, but uh, we spent a lot of years cheering for Tyler Thigpen and Brody Croyle as our quarterback before we got Mahomes. So uh, we'll take it. Yep. No, it's, it's good. Super Bowl ending means um, springs around the corner, really. Uh, yeah, you were in Florida a couple weeks ago. Yeah, there. we took a little vacation there. It was good. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, the morning we left to come home, it was warmer in Michigan than it was in Florida that morning. Um, it wasn't it wasn't cold, but it was cool and but it was fun. It was we had a good time. Of course, we had our board of directors meeting there and and uh everything went well with that and it was good. Went to um went to the show there to watch and Man, I tell you what, they get a good crowd there in Florida. They, I was just going to say, I mean, they were maybe down a little bit in hitches this year, but they were up in crowd. I mean, that place looked packed at both shows. Yeah, no, it was it was good. They do a nice job of running that and getting the crowd in there, and Shannon and Karen Cobbs do, and uh, it'll be uh, both, both facilities are great. You know, the WEC obviously is amazing facility, but even the horse park there, it's just a great place to have a horse show. Nice big stalls and open barns, and, but uh, yeah, no, it was it was fun. Absolutely, it was it was nice little getaway for the family. Yeah, winter show season kind of wraps up. Uh, Western States Classic, Queen Creek, Arizona, February 29th to March the second, and then the following weekend, the Western States Classic, Buckeye. So Buckeye, Arizona, I think one's on the south east side of Phoenix. The other one's on the southwest side of Phoenix. If anybody's in those areas, the second show is March 7th to 9th. Uh, so looking forward to that. Um, yeah, that kind of wraps up the winter, the winter circuit with the Colorado shows, the Florida shows in Arizona. Uh, I don't think any hitch is going to do all, all of those shows. I think a couple hitches did the, 
Colorado and then went to Florida and some went just to Florida and some went to Colorado and, and they're going to go to Arizona, but it'll be, mm-hmm. uh, I wonder how many hitches will be in Arizona. You have any idea? I haven't heard for sure. Uh, my best guess would be in that 10 to 12 range. Mm-hmm. Kind of what it sounds like. That's pretty good though. First of March shows. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I think you're going to add express maybe to the mix. I think Josh is bringing them out. So that'll be kind of fun to see, see them. They've been off since the finals. Um, well, Brockoff, I think uh, yeah. Brockoff family is coming all the way from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. Quite that'll a, be, a trip for them. that'll be a pretty good track, but yeah. And then there'll be quite a few of the ones that were in Loveland and Denver, obviously, uh, some of the hitches that are out West here. Um, in fact, Jake is already staged down there. He bought a Jake Yoder. They got a place down there, not too oh. far from Queen Creek. So he's been checking it out. He said it's been a little bit wet uh, down there, but it sounds like they're calling for 70, 75 every day. So Beautiful. on the two-week forecast. So that looks like uh, the rain season's over, he said, and it's just going to be sunny and 75 every day. Wouldn't that be something? That'd be about right. <laughs> that would be. Yeah. And uh, with kind of the winter show season kind of wrapping up, of course, we're getting into sale season. The Keystone sale already was out there in Harrisburg in January. And uh, coming up here next uh, next week is the Mid-America Draft Horse sale there in Gordyville. I'm sure they'll have a very strong consignment again this year with the Perchern and Belgians and I know there's some people been making tours, looking at sale horses and the reports we've been getting is, you know, it looks like there's going to be another strong consignment the way it sounds. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sounded like Harrisburg was the top horses sold really, really strong. Uh, the middle was maybe a tick softer than what we've seen at the last few years, but um, from the reports I got, but still pretty dang strong uh, sounded like, and, I'm sure that'll carry right into Gordyville. Mm-hmm. Yep. With as many people showing now, I mean, there's a need for hitch horses and there's a need for brood mares to produce hitch horses. That's all there is to it. And uh seems like the supply and demand has been pretty strong here the last five, six years. It's been just unbelievable. But uh so, yeah, look forward to that. It's always uh, kind of seems kind of like the draft horse sale super bowl really um yeah absolutely people kind of do the one-time shop come and kind of get supplies for the year and um kind of everybody's set up there so yeah yeah it seems like you go there you spend half a day gathering up all the stuff you ordered to be delivered at the sale yep so yep classic series Just- news mark uh Hall of Fame voting is that uh, coming? Yeah, up? Um, nominations uh, close April fifteenth. Um, there's still some on the ballot. Uh, there's been interest on nominating a few more to put on the ballot, and uh, so that'll that'll be closing on April fifteenth. I know I sound like a broken record, but if you know the summer shows, there's just not been a whole lot of shows that have registered for the summer yet. And uh, if we could get shows on board to get shows registered, people. You know, like I said before, talking out there in Colorado, people are 
you know, trying to figure out their show schedule and where they're going to go this summer. And those shows get put online. Not only can you, you know, exhibitors kind of schedule their show season, but also you'll get more recognition on the classic series social media page. Um, the earlier you get them on. So get those registered, get, you know, get, um, get your halter horses, uh, entered as soon as you can here this spring and memberships get paid and just makes life a lot easier for Brenda or secretary. But, uh, so yeah, that's, that's about it <clears throat> on our, on our part. Spark plug coffee. If you're wanting to support the youth cart series, youth uh, scholarship series, Proceeds from Spark Plug Coffee go into that fund. So try sparkplugcoffee.com or what is it? Sparkplug.coffee or? Uh, I think just sparkplug.com. And you can go on the Drive Six website and order it right on there too. Another note I like to make the, the finals tickets are on sale now as well. And uh, they are actually available on the Drive Six website as on the Michiana Events website as well uh, for the show in September. So those um those tickets are online and they are available to buy. And so I know had a report the other day that they've been selling quite a few already. So that's exciting and but uh yeah. Yeah, you get to those that. last couple of days at the finals. Those tickets I mean it seems like the first day maybe isn't necessarily a sellout every year, but those last two days are and if if you want to be a part of those last couple of days, I suggest getting some tickets bought it's a cool area to go visit too if you're you're a fan of the of the classic series you know you, you get into that amish country and there's a lot of things to do in that area outside of of the show so you can go take in the show and the finals but also explore that area there's a lot of cool things mm-hmm. yeah it was interesting i was down in florida and you know we've always known that you know we're starting to get quite a following. And, uh, you know, I was just walking along and this random lady comes up and, you know, asks, uh, are you the guy on the podcast? That's what somebody told me. And, and so I'm like, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. You know, she's like, well, some of them her I up are... to, to get signed or, <laughs> so, get this. or... so she says, well, I think some of them are kind of boring. <laughs> I'm like, geez, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh, no but she she wasn't a horse so boring she kept listening huh yeah she listens to all of them but uh but she's not a horse lady so i i assume when we get into some of the conversations with the vets uh maybe but uh i i found yeah. that funny but well shout out to her to hope you enjoy uh hope you enjoy <laughs> these next few episodes we got some good ones coming up <laughs> uh, i thought that was funny but then, you know, like I was saying, the following we're getting, Doyle was, Doyle Dingman was telling me he was sitting in the stands watching and, uh, just started a conversation with this couple and they're from Fort Myers, Florida. And they've been to Shipshawana twice for the finals. They've been to Ohio State Fair to watch the Governor's Cup and they come to the Florida shows. They really start to follow the points and everything. And so that was just a random couple, you know, from Fort Myers, Florida. So, yeah, we've had like before, unreal you know. amount of messages on our uh, Facebook page uh, for Double S, like people that watched in Colorado. In fact, there was a um, they were doing an audit at their beef jerky plant, and there was a picture of the Belgians on the wall at the Glenwood beef jerky plant. And um, this lady was doing the audits, like, 
how do you know these double S Belgians? And Bryce is like, well, I own them, I guess. And she's like, well, I was in Denver and seen them. So uh-huh. it was kind of, I mean, it's kind of cool how small, small world it is and how many people truly follow, follow yeah, it for sure. I interrupted you, Mark. Sorry. What were you going to say? No, it was, no, that's fine. But I just said, when we sign autographs at the finals, you know, it's amazing how many people are from Minnesota, Iowa, you know, Maryland, um, Pennsylvania yeah. that, that travel. And my point is, you know, there's a lot of people looking for to go to some of these shows and, you know, shows get their um, shows registered online. You know, maybe, you know, who knows, maybe you'll get a couple hundred people to come to your show that maybe, you know, schedule a weekend just to get away to go to a show. So absolutely. But, uh, anyway, that's about it on our end. Uh, this episode here is interesting, Kyle. Uh, we sat down with the uh, Yoder boys and Loveland, uh, Freeman, Jake and Enos, uh, and talked about growing up and their love of the Persian horse and horses in general. But, uh, <clears throat> interesting, interesting bringing up the way it sounds. It sounds like they had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was it was really cool sitting down with those guys and getting their backstory and kind of how they how everything evolved for them and changed and that's kind of cool. Just I mean, with Gordyville coming up here too uh, in sales season, it's kind of interesting to hear their perspective on you know what they the, the fitting of sail horses and getting sail horses ready, and then all of a sudden all of them transitioned into the show world and and just the difference in that and. It was just kind of a neat perspective. Yeah. No, I don't think, uh, I still don't think Enos remembers his kids' names. He never did say them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, shoot, he's always fun to pick on. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, no, these, these, they, they were great. They were, um, we kind of went to the, in, into the arena after the show. Therefore, it was kind of a little bit more quiet, not as much background noise, but, uh, they were great. And, no, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. We sure had a good time sitting down with the Yoder boys and getting their perspective. And uh, one more shout out to Reinhold Tech and Western Wear. Um, they're just starting to get in some spring clothing now uh, and some summer clothing coming in. So make sure you check out the website and uh, see, keep uh, checking up on their updates on their Facebook page as well. But uh, yeah, feel free to drop by the Reinhold Tech and Western Wear mailbag too for. Any comments or questions, we always look forward to to getting those. Appreciate getting them. You got it. Five-star ratings are always appreciated here on the Redrive. Enjoy episode number 88. We'll see you guys down the road. Penwood's Equine Products is a family-owned and operated business that strives to support the growth, performance, and longevity of your equine family with our premium nutrition supplements. We make all of our products with locally sourced ingredients right here in the USA, so you can always be sure you're getting the highest quality. We've always been horse people. Our products were developed to take care of our own horses, and we continue to back our supplements with real-world horse owner experience. We're proud of the results, and we love sharing our generations of equine knowledge to help meet all of your horse's needs. We want to get to know you and your horses, and we're here to help with any questions you have. So reach out to us. You're part of the Penwoods family. You can visit us at penwoods.com, 
Email us at info at penwoods.com or follow us on social media. Joining us today on the Redrive, we have some special guests here. We have the Yoder Brothers. Uh, we have Jake and Freeman here with us at uh, Loveland, Colorado, here at the show, waiting to move into Denver. And Enos had to go home, and I don't know what he was doing, probably moving some hay or something. Uh, so he's joining us via Zoom here. Uh, good to have you guys on. I guess we'll just kind of go around the table and introduce yourselves and uh, kind of say where you're living and what you are what you guys are doing right now. We'll, we can start with you, Enos. Okay. I'm Enos Yoder from Westcliff, Colorado, married to my wife, Norma. And uh, that's about the best part of Enos Yoder is Norma Yoder. As far as I can tell. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Without that, we probably wouldn't be. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, we just uh, show horses and put up hay and try to sell a little hay so we can show horses. Kind of what we do. Yeah, I'm a, how much information do you want? That, yeah. That's good. <laughs> we'll get more as we go. Okay. Yeah, I'm Jake uh, Yoder from Montana. Uh, We're both Steve, in Montana, are you? Stevensville, Montana. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're pretty well. Like, if you've watched the show Yellowstone, that's basically where you live. We're just north of there, a little bit, about a half hour. But yeah, just. Uh, Grew up, I uh, guess my background. Uh, About 40 away. miles west of the train station, if anybody's <laughs> <wondering>. <laughs> That's not what it was, too. So, yeah, no, just, I don't know, just uh, showing horses and kind of enjoying life. So, kind of where you I am. You have a sand and gravel business, gravel pit, correct? We sell a little bit. That's your main main that's business. Our, yeah, that's our main go, main business. Uh, Yoder Sand and Gravel. We run it out of Stevensville, Montana. There, been doing it for about eight years now. So, how big is uh, how big is your gravel pit, Jake? Pretty small. One hundred and fifty acres. Two hundred acres. We're, uh, we're mining about ninety acres. Ninety. Ninety acres, and it's about. But if I tell you all this, you'll know exactly how much yards I got. So, <laughs> it's ninety acres, and we're mining about thirty deep so that's okay. we're lowering the whole range cool. uh, freeman yoder uh trainer we're for high point clydesdales out of utah this is my seventh year with hype or eighth year with high point i believe you also have a breeding operation of your own correct yeah we raise breed uh, race perching horses. Got a couple stallions and eight mares. Very good. Uh, if I if I'm not wrong, you guys all grew up with perchers growing up, and uh, I believe probably I don't know if you were all born in Minnesota, moved to Bloomfield, Iowa. Is that correct? Uh, just talk a little bit about how you got started. In that was it. Your dad was it? Your grandfather? Uh, horses in the family for a long time or just kind of give us a little bit of a background growing up and how you guys got into showing Bertrands and so on. I'll talk about that. Uh, back in way back, we were in, uh, when we were in Minnesota, uh, 
there in Utica, Minnesota. Grew up, yeah, dad kind of, he had purchased horses, uh, farm, uh, done about everything with them. And after, uh, I don't know, I was probably 21 years old, I decided that the grass ain't in Utica, Minnesota, so I went to Bloomfield, Iowa. Kind of like uh, back then, I, what I remember was when I left, Dad was kind of kind of thinking I'm crazy. I think, well, I know he did, but it all when all the dust settled and everything was done, my uh, five of us brothers, one at a time, they came down, and then next, Dad, the whole family moved down to Bloomfield, Iowa. So, I think after I did it, about six years later, I think he thanked me for doing it or something, maybe. So, anyway, I was kind of the black sheep to leave first, but I guess somebody's got to lead him. <laughs> how many how many brothers and sisters do you guys have and what's the i don't want one of you guys have to claim being the oldest but how does that all shake out oh, i'll just talk about that because i'm the youngest <laughs> <laughs> there's eight, eight boys and five girls 13 and jake is the oldest of the three of us but there was five right now Road. Yeah, there was Jake, Joe, uh, then Enos, Amos, and me. Three so, younger sisters. So then you'd have three more brothers. Older brothers. Yeah, older, older brothers, and they're not involved in the horses oh, much? Well, they, they are. All of them. They're in Utica. Minnesota. Oh, they still live in Minnesota. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Most of our nephews are either raising horses or training horses. Like a uh, very high percentage of them. So, Enos, uh, where do you fall in on age-wise? I'm kind of the middle. There was Jake and Joe were older than myself, and I was, and then Amos and Freeman after me. So I got to do all the work while they planned it out for me. (laughs) I always say, I always say that's why I'm a little shorter. I didn't get fed quite as much. (laughs) You were the last one to the table. (laughs) So when you guys were making hay, when you that. Yeah. One thing Jake left out there that I just thought of was uh, my dad actually had Belgians. I don't really remember it. I don't know if he would, but the older brothers talk about it. And it was during the the 80s, I believe, or before hard times. And he he uh, always had Belgians. He went to the sale and he found a pair of Perchins he thought he could buy ended up buying them and then that's how we switched otherwise i guess we'd still be like you guys are driving belgians kyle and <laughs> <laughs> you get the part where he said hard times guys <laughs> you want to talk about hard times uh, uh you remember enos when we uh didn't have no money to uh usually in the spring we oiled and worked fixed our harness and stuff that one year back, I think it was probably like 82 or something, uh, we flat yeah. didn't have money to harness. So we had to get baler twine and wire out, and we patched it, and Dad said, we're going to skip one year and try to have money by the next year. And that's exactly how I went. I remember that quite well. That's Right, uh, and then ranking. what I remember there is about a year later or so, I don't know, some of the neighbors started getting these nylon harness, and they said you don't have to fix them every year. So what I remember, Dad quit fixing them and bought one set of nylon every year till we had it switched. And 
I tell you, that was kind of like a brand new toy for us boys to have a <laughs> nice set of harness. <laughs> so you told me there was a fight on who gets to take him when everybody took a team out every day. <laughs> Enos, Enos won? Enos probably won. He did. <laughs> That's usually where I got it. I got up early and got him harnessed and left before they woke up. Probably. <laughs> uh, so you guys, you had a, obviously a farm growing up. You farmed yeah, with horses. Farmed two farms for me and Amos did. Yeah, at one time, I think we had three. I remember going out, I think me, Amos, and Freeman, each uh, six horses in a two-bottom plow, three and three. There's some stories to that, too. I remember one day walking back with a few pieces, and Dad was out. Dad and Jake and Joe were out doing carpenter work. And the three of us, Amos and Freeman and I, were plowing, and I came around the end. I'm not sure what happened, but before I knew it, they were all tangled inside out and <laughs> uh, had nothing but a bunch of pieces left. <laughs> if we're uh, if we're talking about plowing, uh, I got a deal. Uh, remember, we used to trap gophers, and uh, yeah. Dad said he, he always told us, "You're not trapping gophers and leaving the horses stand." Period. We'd always say, "Okay, we won't. <laughs> we won't." And William, my brother older than me, uh, we were. Uh, back there plowing and we just the gophers were digging and the uh, 25 cents just looked too good so we we plowed <laughs> like three rounds and we thought they were very tired and we parked them and i remember we put the plow on the ground pretty good and we took off william was like it'll be fine it'll be fine it'll be okay so we took off we were had my hands in the hole and we were getting the gophers trap set all of a sudden we heard a little commotion and here the whole six we're taking, they were in a slow trot. And by the time we got a hundred yards to them, they started pretty much, a couple of them were galloping. And that, I, ne- <laughs> I still, I still remember today that the plow, I never, I never knew the dirt could fly that high. It flew out like 30 feet, <laughs> 30 feet. So it was about 10 o'clock. So we were trying to, I, I just remember William was like, we've got something to do for dad not to find out. And what it was, is we had to get everything plowed out to the where the furrow where the dirt flew you know <laughs> we had to get that done by noon so he doesn't know it and we got her done and to this day william and i we never told dad <laughs> he flat did not know it i wonder <laughs> if somebody's gonna let him listen to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> you guys are gonna tongue last but anyway it was I, I remember that like yesterday we were pretty well shook up but you know it all kind of worked out <laughs> What did you have to cut the tail off the gopher after you caught it? No, we to prove feet. that you front, front feet, feet were different than feet. the back feet. That's what the county went by is the front two feet. And the county would pay you 25 cents. Absolutely. No yeah. kidding. They were a nuisance in the hay field with cutting hay with a sickle bar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If there was any dampness on the hay, it was a mess. <laughs> you couldn't get through them without <laughs> hey, backing up. Hey, Kyle. Yeah, that's where we made our money to go buy our next radio. That was the only way we made money. How many acres would you farm then? Like you said, you farmed two farms, maybe up to three farms. The How many farm acres? was 180 acres, and the second farm, when I was the age to help farming, was 120. Wow, that's a lot of acres. It was about five miles apart. The worst that's thing was husking the corn by hand. You start in an 80-acre field, and uh, 
with a team of horses and a wagon and you look at that 80 acre field and have to, or were they 10? Wait a minute. They were 10 acres. 10 acres. 10 acres. Yeah. yeah. But we had yeah, eight. They're 80 now. <laughs> anyway, starting in a 10 acre field with a team of horses and knowing you got to, well, there was others too, but as a family husking all that corn by hand, I mean, it just, Looking back these days, I'm like, that's impossible. How did we ever? Yeah. yeah so how did... My memory of picking corn by hand is Enos was the older of the three, me, Amos, him, and I, and the three, three younger sisters. And he had graduated eighth grade, so he was done with school. And we'd get, our school would give us a week off to go pick corn by hand and that was the, <laughs> yeah. one, that was the, that was the one week we rather went to school than stayed home and enos would want to get obviously as much done as we could because a lot of the rest laid on him other than before and after school and i remember we'd have to get up in time to milk cows feed all the livestock and we'd be in the field by six in the morning with a two by four up the side of the wagon and a Coleman gas lantern hanging off to the side, picking corn in the dark still with Coleman <laughs> to get everything done we could before we had to go to school. Because <laughs> Enos would have to do it by himself. Yeah. But <laughs> hey, hey, now what I remember of Freeman is he was uh, <laughs> he get tired of throwing corn, so he'd throw one over the top so he could walk out past the wagon to see how far the end of the field is. <laughs> so talk about the transition of, I guess my first memory of you guys was you all had black pants, white shirts, black suspenders, <laughs> black hats with about 10 geldings, 15 geldings lined up in the ring in Gordyville. Talk about how that came about, the transition to that that all kind of happened down in the when we got in bloomfield wasn't it yeah well i don't know about the white shirt part well, the, <laughs> I, mean, the gilding part, I mean the 10 black gildings yeah oh i did i did that with amos amos uh worked for me for about probably 15 20 years 15 years uh was doing i was doing construction uh yoder builders was the company called and so I guess I was, I, I always liked the uh, perching horse. My dad, I guess our dad taught us that way and then buying colts and raising them and selling them. Just, uh, I guess uh, doing doing it that way we did, it, it worked, but I wouldn't advise nobody today to do it and thinking you're going to make a lot of money because it's a lot of hard work and and you better have a good job supporting it. So I I know back then a lot of, Probably a lot of people wanted to go, and I guess, and and today, uh, you know, of course, it's always exciting to sell a, a top perch and gilding. But I think the way the people are doing it today, I think it's better than what it was when I did it, because I, to me, I feel now buying thirty, forty colts, uh, I wouldn't ask anybody or tell anybody that's a way to go. So be more selective, buy the one or two, and try to go in is way better. Probably out of what thirty-five head, there was ten that made it to the hitch show world, and about half, maybe a couple uh, breeding prospects that stayed stallions, and then the rest were farmed.
Crystal Springs Stables, located in the heart of Amish country in Millersburg, Ohio. Specializing in stallion services, sales, and show fitting, a full line of equine repro equipment and supplies, reproduction seminars, equine reproduction services, including frozen semen collection and storage. Their stallion lineup this season includes Orndorff's Master Encore, Whispering Winds Cactus, Agristore's Diamond's Dream, Rossland Riley, Oakhaven's Illusion, and Dale's Stonecrest Bentley. Crystal Spring Stables, looking forward to partnering with you for success in the coming year. 330-231-2776. That's 330-231-2776. Contact Crystal Spring Stables for all your breeding needs. But back then I bought Leroy Gray's, Chad uh, Penwood's, Jim Day, and picked up a few here and there. I probably missed a couple, but those were the three main breeders that I bought all their sit coats. I'm not saying it was a good thing, but I remember it still so, because I had to pay all the bills. (laughs) (laughs) Is that kind of how you got, is that kind of how you got your start in as far as getting more show? Pretty much. Well, yeah, I remember when Dad bought his first, what we thought was a showbread mare, a gray mare from Albert Cleve, Blue Ribbon Farms, Happy. And they, I wasn't old enough to get to go to Waverly yet, but they brought her home from Waverly. And I mean, we hung her scotch bottom shoes on the wall of the barn, and they stayed there for a lot of years. Like, it was a big deal oh, yeah. for us. And she was had a little more zip to her and built a little more modern and we thought we had a you guys getting arguments who got to drive her oh, i'm sure there was <laughs> <laughs> i remember they must have used that uh blue ribbon paps that they used to use i remember she smelled different now our horses <laughs> <laughs> oh we had a new toy in the barn when I uh, what one thing I remember, and this is going to be against Vernon Yoder at Gordyville. I hope you listen to it, Vernon, because uh, <laughs> my very first sale in in uh, in Gordyville, I had a pair of gray gillings that I thought were pretty good, but they were just a team, a broke team, right? They were pretty nice, but after the sale, Vernon came up to me and he in a, in a roundabout way he told me he said uh, he kind of you know he kind of encouraged me to try to get a little better. Uh, encouraged me to he said it's okay what you brought but uh and around about i forget how he said it but i do remember i knew exactly what he was saying that we had to up it and get a little better horses <laughs> and believe you me we took that pretty seriously we, from that first sale we decided all right we'll we'll bring you better horses and kind of the route we took that's a little slam there was a there was a handful of years at Gordyville that between Amos bringing Jake's tin and what I was fitting for Joe and other clients and what Enos brought that we probably had 25 hit there for quite a few years, a handful of years at least. Yeah, you, you kind of worked together, didn't you yeah. guys? Like once you got yeah. to the sale, you well, kinda... we had our own competition between <laughs> each of our driving arenas. You'd drive a team up to Amos's or he'd drive one back to Amos's or whatever we'd meet up. Because you all lived along the same road, right? Yeah. We were within a half a mile. Remember, remember when the tenth annual Gordyville sale was? You know, Vernon he had a, he had four clocks, and the overall had a grandfather clock, right? 
that was the 10th. Like the highest seller. High seller. And I remember uh, Joe and I talked and he said, Joe was told me, he said, I got it. He said, I'm going to have the grandfather plot. And I said, yeah, right. You are. Said the sale ain't over yet because I had my gildings were selling after you. Know? What mare would have Joe sold that year? You know what? I wish I would. Yeah. I wonder if it was the mare that Cal Lips had bought. I want I, Gail. It could no. be. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. Was it not Gail? Uh, her name was Gala. And was Gala? No, you guys are thinking the that was the that was the double Y the oldest yeah. double Y extreme. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Joe. Joe had the cop mare. Enos, who had a celebration and with celebration maybe but anyway joe told me joe told me he has it he's got the grandfather clock and i said uh i said well, i wouldn't brag too much because said the sale ain't over yet so when when the gillings came in i had the flame g uh gt flame and he, he brought greg lurie yeah, I was just gonna say Coleman drove yeah. him in the lead of the Strawberry Lane yeah. bunch, didn't he? Yeah. And he uh he brought forty-seven thousand. So I got to go home with the grandfather. You still yeah. have it? Absolutely. Yeah, it's in the house. So that was I just remember Joe came up and he was kind of hanging his head a little bit, thinking he had it and then he didn't have it. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a little competition between us brothers. Yeah. yeah it was all in fun though. <laughs> go go around and, and tell us. What horse you guys were a part of that made you think this is what a hitch horse is supposed to be like? I mean, you guys fit a bunch of horses and broke a bunch of horses. And uh, Enos, start with you. What what what's a horse you drove either as a small kid or you know even just recently maybe that you drove that thought, wow, that's what a hitch horse is supposed to be like. Yeah, well, I'm gonna have. To the one I didn't train, but we raced her, that Barwise Topper that, and Jake's probably going to remember him as the one he sold. I sold him to Jake, but Craig Grange ended up with him, a big, a big colt. I just remember the day he was born, my wife and I were both in the stall there, and I said, this sucker, we're going to call him Topper. He had legs. I mean, he stood up, yeah, just. There was something different about him, and uh, the other thing I remember about it is—did you get Craig a cut out of it when his... Jake sold him? Then did he give you a little bit of commission? No, no, heck, no. He, he didn't have it, to because I did charge him pretty good for him. <laughs> He's one of Craig's all-time favorites. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, we've had Craig on the podcast, and he yeah. he mentioned him as one of his all-time favorite horses. He won in halter. He won in the hitch. Just probably between him and Flat. Yeah. Anyway, Crate walked in and looked at him, I think before Jake bought him. And I just remember when Crate left the barn there, he said, now, Yoder, you sure? I seen a Frisian stud in there. You sure there's no Frisian in him? And I said, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But as far as a mare, we had a, I had a, we call her the 29 mare. She came out of Mike Ryan's herd up in Minnesota. Just a big, long, stretchy mare I bought at one of his sales. And her first foal that I had, I took to Gordyville as a three-year-old mare, Barwise Sheila. And Tom and Teresa, I believe, ended up buying her. Brought 30 to 35 grand. I raised her back then. I was 
But anyway, that mare, just training her, had a lot of potential, a lot of motion. She was a little crazy, too, but uh, <laughs> kind of how it has to be, I guess. But that'd be the one I'd pick besides Topper. Enos, what was, what was Topper's full brother, Younger? What was his name? Barwise Lad. Yeah. Oh. There was three brothers. That Eliminator Stallion was one. Lad and Topper and... Yeah, anyway. I always thought those three brothers kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of us brothers. I was... Topper was the very best one, then Eliminator and Lad, they... It kind of got weak on the back end, and it kind of—it's kind of like us. Funny where he's getting this. Yeah, we're copper or what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, full brothers aren't always alike. <laughs> as far as breeding goes, Enos has done a better job as a sire than you two. <laughs> yeah. Definitely in numbers. Uh, I'm was proud of him. Oh, you guys all should be proud of your kids. <clears throat> Raymond, go ahead on your. Oh, for for me, as far as uh, in the show horses, I mean, I have memories of our favorite teams at home and whatever. There was always teams that had more stamina and more go, which was what we were looking for, but didn't have much of. But and that was also a, a fight on who gets those teams to go to the field, but. As far as train horses I've trained since I started training, when Dad sold the farm, I, I was like 20 years old, and I started training horses and trained anything I could get my hands on, of course, at first to get a business going. And then Jim Lane brought me a couple horses to go to Waverly, and, and Jake ended up the following spring, winter bringing me an MG's Prince Mare, Lang's Bright Star, and a Stardust Royal Command Daughter. I, actually, there was two MG's Prince Daughters, but the one was Lang's Bright Star was like a, kind of a, one of the first modern day. She was an MG's Prince Daughter, so she was something kind of special. He brought her up for me to take to Gordieville that next spring, or Waverly. Went to Waverly. And I got to train her, and I mean, she was my pride and joy in the barn all winter. And it was the first to even think about putting a, a blanket on a horse in our barn because it's something that you didn't do back then, and to keep him short-haired and whatever. And I felt a lot of pressure. The sale kept getting closer, and people started talking about her. And I remember Mike Ryan showed up. And Harold Schumacher didn't live very far away, and he'd come down to my brother Dan's harness shop. And I was there one day when Harold was there, and I told him, I said, you should stop up and look at this mare and tell me what he thinks of her. And he walked in the barn, and I got her out, and he walked around. You know, Harold, he can see a good or a bad hawk from the other end of the property. And first thing he tells me, and... I thought I had everything you could dream of in this horse. And he's like, well, young lad, you've already ruined one hawk, but the other one looks pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) So I asked him, like, what are you talking about? Like, explain to me what I can do or whatever. And he said, well, first thing you need to do is you need to raise that tongue on your, your training wagon. He says, 
you're beating up this mare's leg with the the pole being too low in the wagon. So I asked him what I need to do, and he told me how high to raise it and find a welder around here that can, or your neighbor or somebody that can weld and put an arch in your tongue. And I did, and we started rubbing liniment on the leg, whatever Harold told me to do, and we got it down. And the mare ended up going to Waverly, driving. Like, she she was pretty nice. And I think uh, Grace ended up buying her. Really. She Before, I just always remember before we went in the ring, my brother William walked up to me and he said, people are saying this mare could bring 10,000. Is that really, you really think so? And I said, well, I don't know. I don't know any more about it than you do, but it could happen, I guess. And she went in and brought 16,000. And I mean, that was unheard of for us. Like it was, but she was a fun, sporty, about half rank, but like a really cool mare. Um, well, Enos probably, I mean, Topo was, of course, my favorite. I, I guess uh, as far as a, a cool horse, there's a there's a few others. Flame, Flame, a horse that I got from uh, Leroy Gray. Very good driving horse. Uh, went to Strawberry Lane. Uh, just, I don't know, just probably a couple of those. I, I guess there's a, quite a, probably a few of them that I'm not remembering, but. Jameis probably listens and he'd probably tell me a few names or whatever, but Topper was definitely one of them that got you fired up. I mean, he, uh, he was just that good horse and I got uh, accused from a lot of people that I shouldn't have cut him. And I guess I always said it takes a good stud to make a good gilding. So I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm, I, I probably cut a few. I shouldn't, but it was, uh, it was all right. You, we can always, uh, the breed has been going uh, the right direction, so I'm sure I didn't ruin it or whatever, but a horse that I, I remember a little bit, his name was Cosmo. He had a strip. Uh, he got flat pound the ground. I mean, he was, he probably went the highest I've ever had a horse go. Went to Gordyville, and uh, back then at Gordyville, we, uh, we uh, drove, I, I don't know how, how we did it, but we drove horses while the people were bringing, while the semis were coming in to unload. Literally, that's how. Yeah, we did it, it. it was a cluster. Oh, it was <laughs> and I remember, I remember uh, Craig, and Craig told me this afterwards. He, he thought it was okay because we had to slow down in and out of traffic, you know, and Craig thought it was great because. He figured it, it was a good way to drive the horse or the people. He didn't quite see everything. But the weird thing of it was is we were okay with it, too, because the horse didn't have enough stamina to, to go about 100 feet. <laughs> <laughs> but he did go, I mean, for a little bit. But anyway, we talked about it later, uh, and Craig will tell you. Uh, I'm, yeah, he was, he was one of them old-style gildings, but he got flat do it for about – that far so i remember him quite well what? and i'm sure craig <laughs> he was one of the first ones that helped jake up his quality for vernon at gordyville yeah that was the second <laughs> when vernon told him to bring something better yeah but he brought twenty thousand. hey you guys you guys were all sitting here on the podcast talking about vernon the ups truck just drove in and dropped off four Four boxes of catalogs. I'm actually looking at one here, but <laughs> <laughs> I thought I might throw 
throw that in. They'll be up there later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, obviously that was pretty exciting. I mean, all you guys had high sellers, things, whatever. How did that, how did the transitions, where did that happen? And the directions you guys kind of split off in your own destinations and now you're all Western boys. Go ahead, Enos. Uh, for us, <clears throat> we, uh, I don't know. I used to deliver, I was in the competition driving some training, I should say for the competition horses, CDE light horses. And we ended up taking horses out West quite a bit and deliver them when people bought them. I just remember heading West and we went like usual. I got lost. We come up, we came out <laughs> on Interstate 70 into Denver and we were going to come South to highway 50 and go West out into Grand Junction area. And before I knew it, we were past there down into Pueblo, actually South of Pueblo. And I was like, oh, wow, how are we going <laughs> to get back? So I seen this road that runs through Westcliff, kind of a shortcut back to 50. We came, so we took the shortcut through Westcliff, our little town here. And I just remember I was in the front seat, my wife, uh, I'm not sure who the two little ones were in the back back then, but I just turned around and, and we were Amish. So I just said, you know what, we, uh, this would be quite a place to start an Amish community. That's about as far as it went, of course. But then later we thought we, yeah, I always liked the West and wanted to move out here. So we took a trip out here and came through this valley. I found it on the map. and But there was no Amish here, and we weren't going to start an Amish community. So we went on down to Alamosa, where there was an Amish community. Anyway. About three times of that, and I like this valley really good. So we did end up buying, and more moved in. Five years later, we joined the Mennonite church here, and of course, it was always in the back of my mind to show horses. So that's kind of how that all hit. Uh, 2013. Uh, yeah, Loveland was our was, first show. I was ever. gonna say, I remember you rolling in here to Loveland. That was your. I think <laughs> was helping. Oh gosh, I hope it was dark. <laughs> but you were here with Young Living. That's yes, right, we were too. Still next to each other on that other, the other side. Of the I had Clyde's here, I believe. But you rolled in. You had a Quebec wag. Yep, yep, yep. We did, and we had a borrowed harness. Do I have a minute? Your, on I that mean, deal? I remember you practicing. The first, the first time he drove eight. Just the first time he would have showed it, and I, Katie said I was more nervous than Nina was. Because <laughs> you were in the <laughs> ring with him? Or... Oh, <laughs> he did just fine. Just... But I... The Redrive Podcast is supported by the Draft Horse Journal, the world's foremost heavy horse publication, now celebrating 60 years of quarterly releases since 1964. If you work, breed, exhibit, pull, log, trade, or simply admire heavy horses, the journal should be coming to your mailbox. Visit DraftHorseJournal.com to subscribe today. To tell the story, back home, I never drove to multiples. Freeman and Amos, if we hoped to multiple, they just they just got on there and drove. When they heard 
I'm going to hocus. I think six first. They were like shocked. And did I hook the eight the first year though, Freeman? I think you I did. I don't even remember. <laughs> I think you did. But but what I want to say here for just a minute, and it hits pretty hard, is okay. I had like three horses in that hitch. Now I wasn't running for points, <laughs> but that, that's what I think about. <laughs> but. Uh, Gary Young, first Harley Troyer, had two mares he wanted to take to Gordyville. And I asked him, I said, hey, can I take them? You know, I was going to get them ready. Can I take them and show them in Denver and Loveland, go on to Gordyville? So that was two more. And at that time, Freeman had a few spares with Young Living. And Anyway, that's how my first six went out, and and that's why to this day, if I can help somebody loan them a horse, that's why I do it. But even better than that, the harness I didn't even own, and I'm not sure the wagon was paid for. But Gary Gary Young owned the harness at that time. It was a spare harness they had, and Freeman asked him if I can use it. He said, "Absolutely, go for it." So. My our as a family, our first trip out was probably about four owners, and and I just to this day I look back and I I for Harley Troyer, Gary Young, and my brothers, whoever all stepped in, is the only reason we got to start showing. And like you, the rest of you know, it gets in your blood, and you planted a bunch from of there extra on. Hand. It's kind of how that. What's that? You planted some extra hay that spring so you could raise the money. <laughs> After that, and then as far as the the hitch coming in and into the hay deal, we uh, I always kind of made myself believe the hitch would advertise our hay. You know, that was my excuse to my wife when I buy a expensive <laughs> horse or whatever. <laughs> but honestly, it did. As we started showing, I remember first time I went back to actually your guys' show there, Mark, in uh, Kipchawana. That was five, six years ago, probably. But anyway, I think I sponsored a class there. And the next week, I sold like 10 semi loads of hay. So the hitch has helped our hay business. And to this day, I would say that's kind of what what keeps it rolling but anyway i just wanted to share how the guys helping me out gary young harley troyer and i'm sure there was more that that's how i got started showing horses and i i never got to tell gary before he passed but i guess i can still tell harley that he was a big part of it and he brought me more horses after that so actually though at least two mares that year the one was the candy mare that ross showed for yeah i was going to say yep. yeah we ross. and the other one wasn't that the gable that uh that's well, that was the black diamond mare uh uh what was emma they were both Remember, double were the first two double white double white extremes, extremes yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the first class then was men's card i thought of it this year I uh, went in there, and this mare just drove like a champ. And I was the first one to line up. And I just remember Ross was at the show. Anyway, 
I tried to park. My wife come in to head and about like that. She reared straight up in the air, and we had to go make another loop. But later, the judge said I almost had that class if I could have kept her standing. So I, that's the day I figured out showing horses is more than just looking good on the rail. They got to stand too. <laughs> yeah. You can talk about your transition. Well, it was. As far as out west, it yeah, was uh, how you, coming you out, out working for Young Living Gary. I'd done work for Gary for a lot of years before that, but not full time. And we'd made a deal to, as far as to go show for him full time. I was still in Wisconsin, and he was building the barn. So we showed from my place in Wisconsin for a year and a half, and then moved out and worked there from uh, thirteen to. 16 prior to what we'd done in Wisconsin. And then after that, it was in 20, the spring of 2017, started with High Point and been there ever since and with our perch and breeding farm at home and whatever. But uh, work took me out there. I never dreamed that it would become home, but it's definitely become home. Absolutely. Yeah, we talked with Brad just. Talk a little bit about this past world show. I mean, I know you don't, probably don't want to talk to brag too much, but you're a humble man. But that was that was quite a deal, wasn't it? That show in Brandon. It was. It was a show that I, I it was not expected to be able to do what we what we got done there. But I mean, of course, you always have goals to go try and win the six or win a few other classes or win something at a, the. You know, you guys know how it is. You always got horses that you're trying to think need to be a little better and get better and or maybe more sound or whatever it is. And you don't know how it's all going to fall in place. But uh, it was it was an unbelievable experience. We ended up leaving. I think we we took 13 head of horses, um, two two yearlings. Uh, a three-year-old stallion for halter, and then the rest were his horses that we, we I want to say we did like 25 classes, 26 classes, the, those three, four days in the season one, nine world championships. And we had horses, three-year-old horses be part of it, a big part of it, the three-year-old stud was in seven of the nine classes that we won between his three, the three-year-old jackpot. He won that and he won the stallion part class. He led the unicorn, led the four, six and eight. And then we showed him in halter as well and whatever, but yeah, it was a once in a lifetime experience for sure. You won it in 17 too, the six, right? 18. Yeah. It's six and the eight at that show that, Open six and the gilding six and the eight or six. That show you haven't never lost a six or an eight well, at, a, not at, a world, at a worldwide world, show. Wide world show. Dang. <laughs> and I tell you what, this the last one was wasn't easy, but the first one was definitely not expected going into it. We had we had issues at home. We had couple horses that were sore and on styrofoam for a week before we left and 
you know, you're trying to get feet healed up and whatever. And there was a, a really small amount of talk about maybe just not going. <laughs> and we gathered up what we had and, and went anyway the best we can. And I remember <clears throat> going in the ring the first night with the six. Brett smacked me on my back literally as we were going through the gate and said we're just going to go do the best we can it's cool to be here and we were the first in the ring and the last out and i want to say there was like 16 or 18 sixes in the class and it was the most unbelievable win i've ever had in my life Mm -hmm. i'll never forget it before that the day before there was a junior team and uh, some smaller classes and we had a horse that hadn't been in the six for us yet. He was on his way there, but we hadn't hooked him yet. And, we, and in his spot was a three-year-old that we're showing all the time now. But as a three-year-old, he was a little independable. Like, he'd just have moments in the ring and break and whatever. And I was watching the junior, one of the boys drive the junior team. And I we got done, and I told Brett and Annette, I said, that horse needs to be in the six. So they okayed it, and the next night we put him in the right swing, and that six we won with. <laughs> so about a year and a half ago, we were in Deer Lodge, Montana, getting ready for the six-horse hitch, and Jake Yoder comes by the stalls and says, guess what I'm doing next year? <laughs> I'm going to be here with the six horse hitch and I'm going to try to beat your ass, Kyle. <laughs> anyway, let's hear your story, Jake. <laughs> Moving to Montana and then uh, starting here about a year ago, a little over a year ago now. You're, you're, yeah, I guess we, uh, getting right after it. It was, uh, we're in Montana now for 17 years. Uh, sold a few when I was out there, but. I always, uh, as far as showing, I always, uh, it was fun selling a good horse, but it always hurt when I got home in the barn again, and you walk up to that stall and you'd be like, man, that sucker's gone. I mean, it just, so what I like about showing is it reverses that thing. It's like now you, I enjoy a, a perch and gilding, always did and always will, and now I get to actually own them and no, they're not really for sale. So the good ones, uh, yeah, I don't know. We're just, I guess I'm lucky. I got one son, uh, Myron, that he uh, trained them all. And a year ago, right now, we were in uh, Arizona, and we did not have a horse. I think Freeman was down there. He put plates on them, the six I had. And... Uh, those were the those that was the first that was a year ago so yeah we uh, I think uh, we came a long ways Myron done very well with training them and Freeman shooting them and stuff and just getting another year on them and then we went to Gordyville and bought a few bought two of them got lucky to get a couple that we could afford I guess so yeah I don't know we're just gonna do it as a family and if it, it's got to be fun or I don't want to do it enjoy the i guess enjoy the moment we uh it was fun so far here in loveland it's a good time what's the difference you guys see between talked about a little bit showing and, and fitting sale horses enos you touched about a little bit about making them stand 
Uh, just talk a little bit about that, the biggest difference you've seen in how you train them. Jake, you know, obviously Myron trains yours and stuff, but you can obviously got an eye on the Barton too and when Amos did it for you. But just talk a little bit about the difference in that respect. Well, for myself, and now the boys are kind of doing it, or the girls, and but before when we were getting them ready for the sales, I just, I never remember, you know, we'd hook them up, somebody'd hold them, two people on the person on each side and getting them hooked and off we went. We didn't spend any time standing and getting this horse to to stand. And yeah, now we get them out, cross tie them and harness them and bit them and hook them. And of course, driving them, we, we tried a lot less and walk a lot more. Uh, I guess that goes back to dad always. I remember growing up as a kid, dad didn't even want to trot the horses. <laughs> but I, we trot them a little, but yeah, most most of it's just sled work and uh, getting them to stand. And then we will trot them some. You want to see them move, but uh, just trying to get them to, to stand. Like I say, after we left the ring that first or that first show between there and Denver, I was like, there's got to be some changes done here. And, and yeah, it's, it's not all the horse. It's whatever, however we train it to be is how that horse is going to be. And, and it takes a lot of patience some days more than I got. So, you know, the, the difference Ian, is as far as, as far as sail horses and, and showing, uh, I think I think if today even if we can if we could keep I mean it seems kind of like getting a horse ready to sell you got one thing in mind and that is see how high he can go or how how much how fast or fast he can trot or whatever which is okay I guess it can whatever but if if uh, what I wish we would have done over now seeing a little bit we've been only showing for a few shows but how important it is for a horse to stand. Uh, so when you buy a horse from a, from a sale or wherever, I would, I would actually encourage any trainer. I know there's top trainers that they know exactly what I'm talking about because they do this, but anybody that wants to come along and be a good, good trainer, the best thing you can do is get your horse broke really good and then start driving them because you will, about a hip like you will impress your buyer, whoever that is, to, and that's how you will climb the ladder to be better, I think. Because mm-hmm. we never did it. We're, well, I say we never did it. We didn't do it enough. Didn't take it near serious until you're sitting in the ring and the horse not wanting to stand and all that. I think the biggest thing that I see, too, like a sale horse, you're trying to get that horse the best he can be for a day. Yeah. Or for yeah. two days, for yeah. a weekend or whatever Basically, the sale Basically, yeah, get them looking. Looking good for three days. And, yeah. And there's a date. There's One a drive. timeline where they're headed for to peak yep. at. When you're showing, you have a lot of peaks that you need to meet. Not, you got to be good for six months. Yeah. Not just yep. Gordy Gold Week. Yeah. Good for six months compounded over 10 years, you hope. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 I feel like you can build a lot more trust and relationship with the horse. Of course, now that you get to show the horse year after year, not peek it and take it to Gordyville 
like they become a lot more personal to you when they stay with you than you got to do when you were fitting them for Gordy. But there were some that you were glad to see leave at Gordyville, and there were some that you really hated to see leave. And, yeah. and that's the cool part about showing is you get to keep them around. And, well, and even when you have a bad show, I always say that. We're still going to take them home with us. Yeah. So that's still, right. That's right. <laughs> good drive, bad drive. Yeah. We're going to go pet them when we get to the barn yeah. when we get home. Too. Right. Yep. So, Enos, you're you're the youngest of the three here. Really? Right. <laughs> in, the middle, <laughs> in the middle of the three here. Freeman almost <laughs> climbed over the table at you. Lisa was saying that all What's some things you can remember growing up that uh, some crazy stuff you did with the horses as far as breaking them and stuff? Oh my goodness. Um, I want to go to the saddle horses first for a little bit. We used to slip out and watch John Wayne movies and we were training quarter horses. And <laughs> <laughs> I remember we were practicing to, to come galloping in the lane and get off the horse while the horse was still in a, in a gallop, like jump off. <laughs> <laughs> and especially I can't remember if I could ever do it. I remember Freeman could do it. There's a pellet pistol We had some pistols strapped to our hip. We were trying to be John Wayne, of course. I don't know how well Dad probably knew better, just didn't say it. But uh anyway, and looking back, that's probably where we never worried about a horse standing. At our earlier, <laughs> but no, there's been a few, and then in the drafts, few runaways here and there. But that's how you really learn. If you have one runaway, you will start watching. And uh, I look back and things we did, it was crazy, but somehow I'm still here. So I can't just offhand any other. Uh, my memory ain't very long, so I'll let the others go on that one. As far as like starting young perchins like that we raised and stuffed on the farm was like back then there was no round pen, there was no groundwork. We'd get a harness on them in the tie stall and get the broke mare led up next to him with a jockey stick. Anchor back <laughs> with the rope and tie them together. And I mean, the first drive was usually on the manure spur with a load of manure. Out you go. I mean, it, it could get wild. <laughs> There's no control. I mean, shit flying everywhere. <laughs> Your only control was to broke the training, man. Had no idea how to bid a horse back then. Isn't that crazy? That didn't have it. Didn't even, didn't even know equine dentists exist. Yeah. Right. For <laughs> None of that. We would like to thank Ship Shawana Harness and Supply in Ship Shawana, Indiana. Mr. Bob Schrock, if you're looking for products for the show ring or at the farm from A to Z, anything you need, horse nutrition, tack, you name it, make sure you check them out, shipshawanaharness.com, follow them on Facebook, or visit their shop in beautiful Ship Shawana, Amish country, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. till 4 p.m., 
and Saturday, 8 a.m. till 12 noon. Call Mr. Bob Schrock, 260-768-7254 for all your draft horse needs. Probably one of my, uh, what I remember on a, one of those, like a, you want to call it a control runaway, but it probably wasn't. Got home, uh, Amos told me he's going to hook a team. We brought a bunch of young horses in and he's going to start hooking team in the alleyway. And we, he did. Had them all ready and cross tied and had those poles led. And he told me, I know he did this on purpose, but he told me to stand on the back. I can ride. And he was standing <laughs> in front. And he, but I, I had to, he was in the front. So, so I had to untie him. He had them all ready to go. So I went out front, untied him. And I ran around the back real quick and jumped on the back of the sled. And we took off back out the, the east end of my barn and pasture was down yonder a little bit. We had a couple of places where I uh, had like hay bales you know, that we fed in wintertime. And I know Amos could have stirred them their own different way, but he went right flat towards that pile. And we were going full tilt. <laughs> And I was standing back and as we hit that hay pile, the front end came up. And but what I was, I thought, oh, Amos is going to get it really good. But I, it was like a whiplash. And all of a sudden, I my legs were higher than my hands. I, I, I it, the thing came up on the back, and I almost went over the front of the sled. And uh, I mean, it was crazy. But Amos looked back and he said. I forget something about it. He said, Yo, you should have known better to stand back there. <laughs> <laughs> I just told him, I said, well, you dumb idiot. You told me to do it. <laughs> that, that was pretty wild. Like, yeah, they took off for about a round or two, and then everything quiet down again. But that was kind of exciting. The no, best, go ahead. No, go ahead, Frank. The best runaway I remember having, it, and we all had our fair share, but when Lee Johnson, Black Hollow, brought me six gillings to when I first built in Bloomfield. And I knew they show, I knew him a little bit, met him at the Troyer sale in Colorado, but didn't know him very much. And I thought, well, Black Hollow is big time show people. Like these are going to be big time horses. I was pretty fired up about it. And they were supposed to go to Madison. We, they, him and Kirk's brother, Mark delivered to my place. And mills a night, and these things did come off the trailer without holders on, like they didn't even know what a human was. And anyway, down the road a while, we got them broke. And the first time we hooked four, Mary was my sister was working for me at the time, and I had a big tall hitch wagon, and we we hooked the four up and drove up the road and into Enos's yard these things are all like looking at every they've been everywhere we were going a lot of times but they're all looking at everything and probably could feel the nerves through the lines but we went back into Enos's yard and Norma had in the middle of his circle drive Norma there was a clothesline Norma had laundry out hanging on the clothesline <laughs> and we go around it and about the minute they knew they were on the other side of it headed back home this group took off at a dead run, and I mean a full gallop. And we were headed towards the T. It was a dead end, but the right-hand turn was a sharp turn towards home. <laughs> and the left-hand turn, about 
probably a half a mile or a little less was out on a busy highway with a steep downhill and then uphill. And right past the corner where Enos had his driving arena, there was an eight-foot tandem barn disc sitting in the corner. And I just remember knowing that there's no way we'll make the sharp right turn, and that's probably where they're going to want to go. And on the way out to the corner, I told Mary, I said, get in the back and hop off the back end. Like, you're not going to want to be on this when it ends. And we get to the, it's a dead run. We get to the <laughs> T, and I just took both hands and grabbed the left two lines to make the left-hand corner because there was a lot more room. And got them turned, and they piled right into the tandem ditch. Oh. And we came out of there with a lead horse, a skin-deep cut, and a whole bunch of broken harness. But the horses were all fine. But I tell you what, I've never felt so out of control as I did on that one. Did you tell Lee? Yeah, we did. (laughs) And I'm sure he enjoyed it more than I did. (laughs) Hey, you got one more to tell. Go ahead, Eamon. I say Freeman's got one more to tell. He trained a pair of mules too. What What do you remember about oh, them? Man. We don't need to go down that road. That was out on the highway. It was, it was around Halloween time, and there was a ghost hanging on. I'd hope. <laughs> I'd hope. That, I just bought a pony-sized Robert's wagon, hitch wagon. This thing was fancy, like it was the coolest thing I ever drove off of. And I hooked him up to that. It was a single one that day, but. And we went driving up the shoulder of the road. He'd been doing good. And on the way past the neighbors that had a, a ghost hanging in the tree, <laughs> he kind of shied from it, but it was on the opposite side. Did no big deal. Went on up the road a mile or whatever we did, turned around and come back. Well, he didn't forget where it was. <laughs> and about the time we got to that thing, this sucker took off as hard as he could go. <laughs> I mean, dead run on my new wagon. And you know how weak and light those things are when you hammer on the brake the back end was just a bounce <laughs> and i had absolutely no control over this meal and he knew where home was and that's where we ended up in the front yard by the in front of a tree but that's where i finally got him stopped but not because i stopped him because he knew he was home is how it ended that was scary one <laughs> jake talk about the baylor twine lines that you brought up today yeah, that was I, I remember that quite well. I don't know how much twine was involved, but I know there was. Uh, we did it because we, Dad, I don't think Dad really wanted us to hook six up because our, I don't think the church really allowed it. I don't think it did. So anyway, I think we had a, a line that before was pretty decent. We had to add a little bit of strap or something. I just remember we were trying to do it quick because dad wasn't at home. We ended up out in the field with lead line was pretty much twine. And that's how I thought it was kind of cool because that's how I knew where my lead line was. It was different from the rest. <laughs> orange, orange twine. Eh? It was kind of easy to do it, but we <laughs> cracked. We just uh, drove around there and had a couple of obstacles to go around. I don't know what it was, but anyway, I remember it quite well. It was on a flat rack, uh, just, I mean, they wouldn't run off anyway. They were all broke, so. But, so you, was, but you, you pretended got, like you were showing us. Oh, absolutely. You got to That's drive right. that time? I know I drove a little bit. Freeman Amos probably kicked you off. Well, we would have been too young. I doubt if I, I was probably standing in the middle watching somewhere. 
You're the judge. Announcer. Yo, yo, no, doing it back then, most likely the one with me. <laughs> you know, doing it back then, I and I know every one of us brothers are gonna lie, including Amos and Joe. But we always dreamed about showing horses. Just the oh, way when it the draft our journal came, it was there was cool this fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only one could look at it at one time. So I guess I what I, I we always draft journal. I was gonna say the draft horse journal will the draft horse journal will make a lot of kids dream, I guarantee you. <laughs> it did uh, it did uh Do you guys pick on your younger sisters? Oh bad. <laughs> <laughs> I got a really cool story about that. On Sunday mornings when we didn't have a day's work plan, a lot of times it would end up mom with the yardstick to get us out of the house after breakfast. But <laughs> I remember one morning she finally got fed up. We were picking on the girls who were standing at the kitchen sink doing dishes and they tie their apron in a bow and on our way out being chased by mom, Amos grabbed one of Mary or Irene, one of our sister's apron and it untied as he went and he took it and climbed halfway up the windmill and tied it up there so they had to climb up there to get it up. <laughs> 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 a lot of family back stories then, here. back ahead, then we didn't have we didn't have uh hot water for bathing i so you know we had our <laughs> bathrooms there and we had a tub in there and we'd always pay the our younger sisters mary and irene sarah we'd give them a quarter as they fixed our uh carried our bath water in i'm not sure what you did that from. i did you had to go kill a gopher for hot bath huh? <laughs> actually i think it was i think it was freeman <laughs> before i forget i mean obviously yeah. we talked a lot about family but i think uh all three of you guys owe it to you, you all have great families you owe it to, to the families you guys have made to speak of them real quick here yeah, Enos probably won't remember all his. <laughs> so maybe we better let Jake, 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 and Freeman go first, so Enos can gather his thoughts. <laughs> yeah, let the older ones go. I can say for sure that I my success is based off of Katie's health, for sure. Like, I mean, in the barn, she's a team player. Like from everything we do, other than shooting, but she might even correct me if that looks bad. But. uh yeah, just and to have that person that understands what you expect that you're trying to get out of a horse and to be able to critique you while you're driving him or working him or whatever, it you're you're only as good as your eyes on the ground as far as I'm concerned. And that's a big part of it. And you have two girls? Yeah, two daughters and the oldest one, Briley, is riding and driving and uh looking like she's going to enjoy the horses as much as her parents do. Helping in the barn, pick stalls. And yeah, it's definitely wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be the right it is without the family by your side, for sure. And your baby? Yeah. And Raina Kate. Raina's yeah, she's eight a year old, old. Eight months. Eight months old, yeah. Just a little over. Go ahead, Jake. 
Yeah, I can. Uh, I guess my best wife, part of Jake is Fanny too. That's exactly right. <laughs> I was going to say, my wife, uh, when I married her, she uh, she didn't barely. Her family didn't even like horses. They were had Belgians, but they just had them because they needed them. And she kind of grew up that way. And we started in the horses and kind of mm-hmm. bought a few, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, she's she's now today. She's she's definitely good for me because. Uh, she likes them. She's she she actually really likes showing now, uh, but definitely uh, I always say uh, behind a good man there's definitely a woman because that's what makes a good man. So, uh, and we have uh, we have a Myron is the uh, our only boy, and then Kayleen. Well, Kayleen's the oldest, then it's Myron, and then Sarah. But now we have uh, we adopted a little boy, Zachariah. He's four years old now, so. He's kind of the, the the light of the circle. We're uh, we're really uh, yeah we're excited to have him. So I guess now I have two boys and two girls. So absolutely. But without the family, uh, I wouldn't be do we wouldn't be doing this. It wouldn't be for Myron and the kids to and Sarah and Kayleen. They all three be like it probably as good or as much or more than I do. So family is a big is a big part of it. We got ten minutes here left for you, Enos. Uh... <laughs> you got them wrote down yet? I'll try and make <laughs> remember, it. Or what? I'll try and make it quick. What's that? I just said you got them wrote down so you don't forget anybody. He's still reading. No, I don't. I'll try and... <laughs> first... <laughs> first of all, uh, I met my wife in the railroad track, so she was riding horses too, and I was training colts. So I think that's no still kidding. a hot spot in Bloomfield, Iowa today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she liked horses. We Probably got married. Too. I think. <laughs> no, not that day. It wasn't. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, I was into horses. She likes liked them. Still does somewhat. I think maybe I overdid it a little, but. <laughs> I remember there in Iowa, we had two two barns that, so she kind of had her barn with the babies, and I had the training horses, and we raised a lot of colts back there. But, but yeah, as they grew older, we have 10 children, uh, six girls and four boys, and I just say without them, I couldn't get to first base, especially anymore. They do, from the start, the girls, I always thought boys can't do it. Uh, the girls did such a great job and uh, working horses. And I think maybe had a little more patience than the the boys do. But yeah, now if the boys get to, and, it, and I'm sure you guys know anything, driving a team on a sled for eight hours every, not one team, but driving it four teams, whatever, on a sled for all day gets boring. But I discovered when they get tired of it, if you get a carpenter job or have them go do carpenter work for a month or something, it ain't very long. They're ready to come back and drive horses. That's kind of my go-to to, to, yeah. And they all love it. They really do like it. And Well, you kind of got it set up pretty good now. You're getting some grandkids. You're gonna move in from kids right into grandkids, and your your workforce is gonna stay strong. 
Well, yeah, you're right. They're right. Uh, our youngest is seven, and I think the oldest grandkid is four. We have six grandbabies, so it don't get any better. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's all he's thinking is going to just get easier for him or for you, though. You know? <laughs> I just got to learn how to give orders better, I guess. <laughs> No, Leon does the big portion of the hay in the summer. If we are showing, Leon kind of runs that deal as far as putting up the hay. We started last, so shoot, May 23rd, and we went clear almost to Thanksgiving. And I would say there was never a full week straight that we weren't in the hay field. And I got to give that kid a lot of credit for keeping that going. And, uh, we hire some help. It's a little hard for an old man to listen to a 17-year-old boy, but it kind of – he does know how to bail good hay. <laughs> so without the family, there wouldn't be much, that's for sure. That's what makes it all worth the while. Exactly. Yeah. So. And Enos is probably the best on a segue of, of any of you, or? By far. I seen him here. He came into the barn here the other day in the Loveland, and he has got snow <laughs> tacked up and shirt all over his hat. What the hell were you doing? He just said, Oh, segue, it lost a wheel there. <laughs> Slipped on some ice out there, and he was into his snow bag. He was, he was talking to me, and it happened too. He was going acting like it's all cool about that time he said oh shit <laughs> I, had a, I just fell or i had crashed in something I was, and it all the phone went dead so i guess <laughs> oh this has been great sitting down getting your stories and it's been a lot of fun talking with you guys yeah, yeah it sounds like all. knowing all of you guys you've uh, you got to give your guys as parents probably a lot of credit uh you guys raised uh in a good way work ethic for sure yeah yeah dad yeah, dad yeah, never sure i can remember i don't think i remember maybe at one or two days and i've got to really think about if that we went fishing it was usually uh we just yeah he taught us to work and if you want to make something out of yourself you put your head right to the grindstones and if he was standing Bar- next to trying to move something or do something he'd say get out of the way and let somebody that can (laughs) (laughs) our fun time was jump our fun time was jump in the back of a truck saturday afternoon and go look at perching horses that's kind of what i remember we got to go to harold schumacher (laughs) it was a big deal yeah dream for the next whole month afterwards yeah Absolutely. Yeah, we appreciate you guys getting on. This has been this has been awesome. Yeah, well, thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having thanks us. for coming on, guys. See you guys. Yep. Bye. 
The Smith family has been in the meat snack business since 1975. There are now four generations of Smiths working with Glenwood Snacks. Glenwood beef jerky is made with solid pieces of 100% premium beef and smoked with real wood smoke. Their jerky is in high protein, low in calories, and darn good to eat. Also, look out for new lines of meat sticks. Look for the Double S Belgians, the equine ambassadors of Glenwood beef jerky at a show near you. Browse our many flavors of 100% beef jerky, signature meat sticks, and snack bundles at glenwoodsnacks.com. Follow on Facebook, Instagram, or by calling 208-624-9851. Orders over $50 ship for free. Glenwood Snacks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you drop by a Reinhold Tack and Western Wear mailbag, podcast at naclassicseries.com. Once again, podcast at naclassicseries.com. Any questions or feedback you might have, we would love to hear from you. I hope you enjoyed the show. Have a great week, and we'll see you down the road.